Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy for Me. And as you can probably hear, I'm sat out in the garden. And yet again, it's Saturday morning. My uh, skills of uh, of managing to get myself organised have absolutely failed me this week. Um, I'm sat in the garden for one particular reason. And it's not because I want to wake the neighbourhood up because it's only, only just seven. But actually, the washing machine's on. And when the washing machine's on uh, and it's just about to hit the spin cycle, it, you can hear it in my office. So I thought, as opposed to the sounds of... Of the spin cycle going on, I'd give you the sounds of the garden instead. Anyway, let's crack on with a little bit of that twangy guitar. Monday. I'm not going to talk about today, but I'm going to talk about yesterday. We went to Scarborough yesterday, uh, and it was a belated um, Father's Day present. Um, and I took my dad to the cricket at Scarborough Marine Drive. And it's something I've wanted to do for years and years and years. I've always known that Yorkshire have played uh, a few matches a year at Scarborough. And they play in the London, I think it's the, the Royal London Cup, uh, which is the 50 over format of the game so uh, one team comes out they bat 50 overs or as many overs until they're, they're out so whether they complete the overs or whether they they, they post a score um, and then the opposition comes out and bats 50 overs and simply whoever's got the most runs at the end is, is the winner and it takes about three and a quarter hours for each section of the game so it kicks off at 11 and the first team uh, which in this case was um, Worcestershire came out and battered uh, battered all their 50 overs and then Yorkshire came out uh, after a short break in reply and battered through and it finished at you know around about six o'clock and it was magnificent but what's magnificent about it was actually where it was I've I've seen cricket at Headingley I've seen cricket at Trent Bridge um, but I've never been to what they call one of the outgrounds Uh, and aside from the fact that you know you've got seagulls going on and obviously the sea's only just across the way and it's great to be there and it was fantastic weather really really glorious weather um there's something about that ground at Scarborough and then there's something about the atmosphere it creates and and, and what a nice event it is. Um, it's kind of hidden. It's hidden behind a, a load of houses and guest houses um, to the point when you're actually sat in it, you realise that you pretty much can't see out of the ground um, very easily because actually the houses, which are three and four storeys, uh, being guest houses, uh, literally put you in this kind of bowl so the ground's quite low down in comparison to sort of street level um it's almost like it's dug out um but it's why you don't really know it's there um when you drive past it so if you've ever been to scarborough and you've ever been towards the north end of scarborough you will have driven past this cricket ground either walked past this cricket ground and you probably don't know it's it's there so that's one of the things that makes it you know, really, really quite magical when you're sat in it. It's almost like being sat in a in a secret garden or something. I think the other thing that's that's great about it is so people just wander about. There's no seating um, sort of restriction. You 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 pull up and you sit where you want to sit. If you want to take a if you want to take a, a, a little kind of fold up chair and sit right on the edge of the um, 
on the edge of the boundary, you can do that. There's places around the boundary where you can put your deck chair up or put your little fold-up chair up and, and, and away at that. There's plenty of other places where you can sit. You can move around. You can sit. If you want to sit somewhere for an hour and then have a change of view by going the other side, you can you know, you know can do that as well. And uh, and apart from you know overs where you might distract the, the batter, um, you can pretty much walk you know, all the way around at any point. So, I mean, through a couple of points through the day, I just strolled and watched the cricket as I strolled, which was, which was, which was great. The other thing is, when there was a break in play, when we had this half an hour break in play, everybody just went onto the pitch and cricket bats were produced, and kids were just having little mini games of cricket on the on the turf, which I just thought was absolutely fantastic. So, it was a really lovely day, and if you if you kind of have half an ang- sort of inkling that you might like to go to a cricket match then I would really say to you look for the 50 over format of the game and make a day of it you know pile of sandwiches pot of coffee just 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 go and just immerse yourself in it for a few hours it's really worth it um but also you know find you know find where your county plays and see if there's an outground somewhere you can go to that's a bit more that's kind of a little bit more intimate and, and just go and enjoy the slight quirkiness of, of an outground. So that's my kind of... I know it's on a Monday thing, but it's, it's... Do you know what? As they say, it's set me up for the week. Tuesday. So I got my energy bill today, and uh, we were one of those people for whom the energy company that we had um, folded. So we defaulted to Scottish Power, which is a real shame because I specifically moved away from Scottish Power. But at the point when we were back on Scottish Power, it was the start of everything being a problem. It was the start of the fact that we were going to have have hikes in rises. This has not just been Ukraine. This has been coming for a while. And, um, and I looked around at the advice, which effectively means Martin Lewis. And, and he sort of said, don't, don't shift about at the moment. It's the wrong time to do shifts. Um, and it's also the wrong time to sign up for a tariff. So I didn't sign up for a tariff, and we're just on the kind of the standard um, best tariff we can get. But what it means is that we get our energy bills quarterly. Um, and at the end of uh, May, I think it was, I'd, I'd done a reading. And every time you do a reading, it generates a bill. So I'd paid Mel, May's bill sort of on its own. But this was the June and July bill. Um, and, and the way, one of the reasons I don't like Scottish Power, the way it works is they don't send me a bill. So they did a reading on the 5th. And then what I get is, which I got on Tuesday, I get a, a slightly terse email saying, your bill is overdue. And you think, well, it's, it, it's not overdue for two reasons. Or it kind of, it's, you think it's overdue, but it kind of isn't because, A, you've not had the common courtesy to send it to me. Because I don't get sent the bill, I just get sent the payment chase. Uh, which I think is really, really rude, if I'm being perfectly honest. But then I, I'm predisposed to not like Scottish power, so I probably would think whatever they did was rude, but I, I do think that's out of order. So I got the reminder for the for the bill. Um, the bill for June and July uh, was £485. So if we need to think that... Because at the moment there's this slight disconnect with... Energy bill is going to be four grand, four and a half grand, five grand, five and a half grand. And actually what people potentially might be seeing on their direct debits or their accumulated amount of, 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 you know, of bills. But we've been away. We were away for at least a week of July. Um, 
there's uh, July particularly. Uh, Josh has obviously been away as well, and as soon as he left, we turned everything off in his room. When we went away for the week, we turned everything off in the house, pretty much unplugged everything in the house. So there was a whole week where literally there wasn't even trickle charge going through. Um, you know, the heating's not been on, the water's been on for an hour a day. We've been trying to close outside so that, um, you know, the um, tumble dryer's not been on. And uh, and yet it was still 485 quid. So if you say take that and say, right, 240 times it by 12, then already you're into 2,700 quid, which is 700 quid more than what our, our, our uh, energy would be normally, except June and July are the absolute low point. So there's no doubt these these ridiculous figures are going to be there or thereabouts and what it brings me to is the void there is at the moment because you've got I mean Gordon Brown made a a, a really key intervention this weekend uh, and showed what a, you know a, an absolute class act he is as a politician um, and just said we need an emergency budget we need to work out what the support is going to be for people um, with regard to cost of living and particularly with regard to energy costs because if we don't do it soon it's too late if we want to do something through the benefit system for the people who are really 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 going to get hit by this um, it takes you know six eight ten weeks to do to actually just reprogram everything and get these payments to the people who are going to need them. We have a cold snap in October. That's, we, we're now past that point. So it doesn't matter what, um, you know, Dishy Rishi or Fizzy Liz decide they want to do when they get there. The point will have passed. And this, this, the fact that this government has basically, on this issue particularly, has been absolutely found wanting. And I know it's a really tricky issue, but they have literally gone on their holidays when this is the point when, when I mean, I mean you, could, you could argue it's a, it's a Parliament thing. I mean, Gordon Brown said that. He wants Parliament recalled for this, and I think he's probably right. But we need something here. We can't... Th- At the moment, it seems like... We know there's something, but it's the summer and the weather's nice and we all want to go on holiday, so let's just forget about it. But when it bites, and it could bite as early as the end of September if the if the weather takes a turn, or there's a lot of rain and people are having to do things like dry a lot of clothes in the houses, this is really, really going to bite. So on the back of just the little bill thing for us... I, I found myself then getting really, and obviously on the back of Gordon Brown's intervention, if you haven't read it, I'd, I'd recommend you go and you go and find out what he said because it's really, really sensible and the kind of thing you'd expect a, a proper grown-up politician to do. We should be doing something about this. And where is our? It was bad enough when he was here. It's it's worse now because his entire government has checked out, and you know I, I don't know how you can allow that to happen in this situation. Wednesday. Now I know it's been hot. I know it's been very hot. And I was down in London uh, today, and I was down for the opening of uh, Roland, the, the synth people. Uh, so Roland are synth and drum machine and those kind of people. They do loads of things, they stage pianos and loads of other things, but. If the word Roland means anything to most people, it's kind of synths and drum machines. In fact, the Roland drum machines were pretty much the sound of the 80s. Um, and they've opened a store on Denmark Street. Now, Denmark Street is that street in London. It's our, It used to be called Timpan Alley. It's where a lot of music publishing um, 
started off and then uh, was was the the hub for for a lot of people who wrote music and how music was passed to artists and where all the publishing went on and you know st- starts out from there when when music really was all about sheet music and all about song publishing and less about instruments but it became the street for instruments it was an absolute hive of activity in the 60s uh, as people first started you know putting beat combos together and buying guitars and buying amps and all these kind of things and it's been it's been the key street in the UK ever since but it, it's it's got very um, it, it, you know, it's showing showing its age and showing the way retail's gone. Um, but there's an enormous amount of money being put into that area to turn it into a very creative area. It's very close to uh, Tottenham Court Road Station. It's it's a link with Crossrail and, uh, and and the new line coming in. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a really it's, well. There's a ridiculous amount of money got into that area in terms of redevelopment, and it's as I say, it's going to be turned into a real creative hub. There's a an incredible building that's been put uh, next door with this really fantastic immersive screen. You're just walking off the street, um, and you're kind of in this complete immersive space where you know it's it was the music that was playing was very you know was was tied to the uh, the kind of uh, in, um, sort of the imagery was all about the sky and it was all a kind of a take a second and breathe kind of thing and it was it, you walked off the street and lost the street in a second as soon as you were in there you really were immersed in what was going on so you've got that little thing going on and then this big big um, building that's going to be a, a you know a, a kind of a a centre for a lot of creative arts, a lot of film, a lot of this and the other, which is going to tie in with what's going on on Denmark Street. So Rowanda made the decision to open a open a store on there, uh, and it's an amazing, amazing store. It's really based around a consumer experience, um, and I thought it was re- really good. In the same way that th- there's no commercial reason why, or the, well, there is a commercial reason, but you don't necessarily need an M and M store. But there's no doubt that the M and M store in Leicester Square is absolutely a place to go. Um, you know, Roland have created a real consumer thing with this store that allows you to go in and, and, and try equipment. And there's lots of interesting ways of, of trying equipment that are different to the traditional ways that music stores have, have used. And it's a it's a really a really kind of bold idea that they've put into play. And I was very impressed. I thought thought it was great. Um, and it was nice to be down there because there was quite a few sort of artists and influencers there. Uh, and I, I bumped into. Um, somebody I know called Rachel Collier and Rachel does loads of music production and she works with um, lots of synths and and, and what have you and she uses just these really incredible videos performance based videos so it's not about her necessarily creating a track but she builds a track and then performs the track so it's all about doing all that kind of stuff on the fly and pulling stuff together but in a very real way in a very kind of jammy kind of um, in the moment kind of way um, not in a kind of slightly nerdy way. So she's she really brings it to life, and she's she's brilliant. And I've known Rachel for a few years, so it was lovely to see her. But there was then a guy called Steve Levine, who um, he's a producer. He did a lot of stuff with Culture Club. He was down there, uh, and and really really like a kid in a candy store. Uh, really, really uh, excited about what was going on, and just great to see somebody like that who's still so into into the production side of things and what's happening with the equipment because that's a you know a key part of all this. Um, but also the and it's the it's important. I'm going to mention this now because I want to come back to this. But a guy called a guy called Guy a guy called Guy Fletcher, who played um, with Die Straits. So you've got you've got Guy Fletcher there, and you've got Steve Levine, and you've got Rachel, and you've got a few other influencers and DJs and what have you in this really great environment. So it was just just really nice to really nice to to to, to be there, and we 
we went for a walk. I kind of did this part of my day job and went for a walk afterwards. And it was also just lovely to be as hot as it was. And it really was hot. There was a breeze and it was actually a really palatable day in the city. So as much as it really was warm, as it, it, you know, by eight o'clock, it was actually quite cool. Uh, and because the sun's a little bit lower in the sky, so it was it, it, it took longer to get above the height of the buildings and it wasn't shining directly on you much of the, the day and it dropped below the buildings earlier. It, it cooled quite quickly. So it was one of those perfect summer days in the city where it was fresh, but it was warm and everybody had that kind of summer vibe going on, but it wasn't oppressive, which is obviously what you tend to get when it's hot in the city. That's the reason why I don't like going to London when it's when it's oppressive, but it wasn't. It was light and airy and it had everything going for it. So great store on a great day with some great people. Thursday. So continuing my kind of weird week, really, um, I, uh, I woke up in London, I got on a train, did, did a bit of work, uh, this morning, got on a train midday, um, went, worked my way out to Steve Hogarth's house. Uh, now, for that, I know a lot of you know, I do a podcast with Steve, have done it for a while, and a lot of you know that Marillion uh, as a band is my big thing, and, and that's the band that I've been into um, since I was, you know, sort of just before I went to, well, sixth form and then before I went to high school. And Steve was um, doing a gig um, that night, uh, Tolton, well, I should say tonight, to keep the illusion that it's Thursday, even though it's Saturday morning. Um, and he was doing the uh, Cropperty Festival. Now, Cropperty is a, a kind of a folky festival that's run by Fairport Convention, and it's in Oxfordshire, it's just near Banbury, and it's a very uh, folky crowd. Uh, so it's a crowd of a certain age, and they're all sort of, as you'd expect, the folky people, a lot of real ale drinkers, a lot of beards, a lot of beards, a lot of plaited beards, a lot of hats, some long Gandalf pipes, if I'm being honest. I didn't expect that, but they were fairly impressive. So we've got this whole thing going on, and everybody's, you know, deck chairs are out, and you've got however many thousand people in a field. It's a, it's a big old spot. It's a lovely, lovely vibe, absolutely fantastic vibe. And Steve's playing. He's doing a few numbers with the Trevor Horn Band. And I'd said to him, look, can you can you get me in? Because I'd, I'd really quite like to see the Trevor Horn Band. So Trevor Horn, legendary producer, uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, ABC, loads of other acts, absolutely fantastic. Uh, great bass player, also Buggles, you know, video killer radio star. Um, and he's got this band and he's put this band together. And this band's got Lol Cream from Godly and Cream from 10CC. And Steve's singing. And he's got a guy called Alan Clark on keyboard. So I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, because I kind of bumped into Alan uh, without knowing it in a music store in Manchester, and Alan's the straight keyboard player. So there's the tie-in with yesterday with Guy. You've got Alan Clark uh, playing as part of this band. And having a whale of a time. Looked like he was really enjoying himself uh, and seemed a really nice, really nice fella. So I'm there. Um, I'm there, obviously, with Steve, and it's in backstage. Um, and obviously the advantage of being asked if you can if you can get me in when it's the one when the guy's playing in the headline act is is obviously you know you you end up with a triple a pass so wandering around backstage had a bit of food and catering uh which is really really nice uh clanad with a support band and i've always been a fan of clanad so caught a bit of clanad which was which was great and they sounded great and then trevor Horn comes one and they're they're playing as they're playing as well 
and um and, and the gig was fantastic absolutely fantastic and they kicked off with relax frankie goes to hollywood and then they played video killed the radio star next and the band were really really tight i mean these are songs that are difficult to play because a lot of trevor's stuff is very much based around the production so it's not that these songs were ever really designed to be played live a lot i know abc will take that an exception to that but a lot of the other bands as you think they don't get i mean frankie frankie's not a regular touring band you know and a lot of these these songs particularly you know on are, are not heard live and they sounded tremendous and he's a cracking bass player absolutely cracking but the the band were incredible absolutely incredible so um and and steve comes on and he's and he's absolutely nails it uh, has an incredible performance uh, kicks off with um life on mars and um and, and was just was was just brilliant just and, and everything he did he was just he was just no perfect so he really added added to the band and it was a really you know it was a really great 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 evening um and then we and then i i was staying with him so uh, we drove back home i i was uh, i was kind of uh, nominated driver um which was quite good because he was a bit giggly after the gig and uh, and we went back to his and then we sat in his garden and we just we just drank he had he was on gin i was on whiskey and we just we just drank till about two o'clock in the morning uh and ate plums as you do and that was kind of my thursday <laughs> So, while we're on odd things, I'm going to bring three odd things together that have been in the week, because um, these things normally come in three. So we'll take Alan and Guy from Dire Straits. So the classic Dire Straits touring, uh, touring lineup and two of the people in the classic Dire Straits touring lineup and the Brothers in Arms lineup um, are they're, they're, I, I bump into both of them this week. We, yeah, and by bump into, I, I you know, I'm not saying sat and chatted for hours, but I mean, you know, a few feet away, hello, and you know, all these kind of these kind of things. Um, which, for most, I mean, for me, I'd have taken that as a week. I'd have taken that as a week. That'd have been absolutely fine. You know, big Dire Straits fan from back in the day. Um, so the second thing was backstage at Croperty. Um, Trevor had got Toya Wilcox and Robert Fripp up for a number. So I'm stood chatting to Brian, um, who might be listening for the first time. Brian, um, we talked about uh, TFM and he might be listening. So if you are listening, morning Brian. Um, We were chatting and Toya and Robert walked past. Now I go back to remembering Toya from the 80s and the huge impact she had when she uh, first came out. And that's Toya who's wandered past. And then two seconds later, there's Toya wandering into the catering tent and her and Robert getting something to eat and there's... Toya sitting down and eating a tea, so that's that's fairly unusual. That doesn't happen in a normal week, um, and she's everything you want her to be. She's just bonkers. She's just absolutely bonkers, and she's absolutely bonkers on stage. And he's he's you know just out there as well, and that's brilliant because I want Toya bonkers. I don't want to discover that Toya is normal. That's not how I want it to work out. So Toya's absolutely bonkers, and that's absolutely great because that's what I want. So so. You're like, well, that's right, okay, that, right, boom. I think the thing about all of this, and it's kind of brought it home to me this week a little bit with regard to doing um, the the Corona Diaries podcast with Steve, is that I woke up um, in his guest room um, this morning, because I'm still trying to keep up the pretense, pretense that I'm recording it on the right days. So let's go with it. You know, treat me, if you don't mind, be, be, be kind. So I wake up in his guest bedroom this morning, 
um, about quarter to nine. And I tiptoe downstairs because we'd, we'd kind of agreed it was going to be a lazy start to the day. So I tiptoe downstairs uh, and, I, and I, I rummage around in the kitchen. I make myself a cup of tea and I, d- I did a bit of planning because we ended up recording uh, the podcast yesterday, today, whatever, in the garden. Um, so I did a bit of, would you believe, a bit of prep. And for those who listen to it, I did actually do a bit of prep. Um, and, you know, doing that thing when you're in somebody's house where you just open the cupboards to find the things you need to, to make a cup of tea all perfectly normal i then go back upstairs you know have a shower all this kind of thing that you do when you're staying in somebody's house everything's a little bit strange but it's a little bit normal at the same time and i go back in the room to get dressed and i realize uh, and i noticed it and i knew it was there but the enormity of it kicked in so i came to merlion and the first band i came uh, album was season's end but that album was already out when i came to the band with steve so the first album i waited for as in, I was looking forward to this as a new album, and I knew it was coming, and I bought the singles before the album came out, it was an album called Holidays in Eden. And Holidays in Eden, which is still a very special album uh, for me, and I loved, loved, loved the artwork. Absolutely adored the artwork for the Holidays in Eden album. Um, and I saw them, I think, three or four times on that tour. I got backstage for the first time on that tour. I went to the album launch party at the Borderline, which was which was absolutely amazing, where they did some acoustic songs. So I'm f- I am full on Uber fan at that point. I'm actually a member of the Web at that point for you know the fan club. I say got to the fan club only gig, um, and I'm Uber fan at that point. Um, and I'm I'm loving really loving Holiday's Needing as an album. And I glanced up. And I'd noticed it, but I'd not registered. But the original artwork for that album cover is in that room. And it's actually, because of the shape of the roots, I kind of slept under it. So it was it was just that moment where I stopped and looked and thought, all those years ago, I remember being blown away by that artwork. And it was such a special thing. And they had a huge backdrop of that artwork on stage. And I remember it being a really big part of everything. And it being woven into all the, the singles and this, that and the other. Uh, and I had a whole Days Needing t-shirt with that artwork on it. And I've woken up today and that artwork's there. It's just there. And it, it really brought home to me that kind of enormity of that situation, which kind of you just treat as normal all the time because it's what you do. The something that was a an out of reach thing when you know is now uh i'm I'm bumping into all these things because they're part of the the process of that thing that I saw as a final product but also comes together organically you know um with a band who commissioned a piece of work that would be a, a, an album cover and then lo and behold i'm you know and as with a lot of things that album cover now. That's in the spare bedroom, in the same way we all have stuff on our walls in our rooms that are really important to us. That, are, but they're just there. They're just there. Oh, where, where should we put it? Where are we going to put? Where are we going to put that album cover? Let's let's put it in the guest room. All right, let's do that then. That's fine. Yeah. So that kind of rounded the week off and brought it all all home a little bit. Um, I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're enjoying the weather. Uh, I think it's been a bit easier this time. I think it's been a bit fresher. I think it's been cooler overnight. I think I've I've got sleep, so I've not been, not it's not been too bad actually getting some sleep, which is which is the bit I really struggle with. But it will break in a couple of days. Um, but it is also worrying at the same time. First time we're going to have drought. 
pretty much countrywide for a long, long time. Um, there's no doubt the portents for all this are really, really bad. Um, so I think at some point we really need to think about the fact that it's not just a, a hot snap. It's it's a lot deeper than that. Um, and hopefully by Monday, Tuesday it'll break and we'll get a bit of rain, which 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 I know we all we all need. But stay safe, uh, and I'll speak to you all next week. <laughs> therapy for me then please subscribe and share as you see fit this has been an a short stories production